happily married couple takes an early morning drive on a September morning in Wisconsin. But within minutes, their excursion would take an unexpected and deadly turn. What really happened in that car that led to one of the most freakish road accidents ever reported? This is the case of Todd Kendhammer. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of Crime Cave. I'm Christy, and this case, I think, really makes you wonder what goes on behind closed doors. Feel free to follow Crime Cave Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and stay tuned for today's listener question at the end of this episode. And now, this is the case of Todd Kendhammer. Barbara Carol Adams, known as Barb, was born on March 4, 1970 in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and raised in West Salem. She would meet her future husband, Todd Kendhammer, after her junior prom festivities. They were both 16 at the time, and the pair didn't actually begin dating until a couple of years later. They would eventually marry on August 3, 1991, when they were both in their early 20s. They built their life in West Salem and had two children, a daughter they named Jessica and a son, Jordan. Barb worked as a lunch lady at West Salem Middle School for 14 years. She really enjoyed her job and took a lot of pride in what she did. She was always on time and she especially loved the kids and the people that she worked with. Her coworker and friend, Carrie Malicote, would say that Barb brought the sunshine and roses to the room. Barb's workspace was filled with family pictures, and she was known to put everyone else before herself, and she made sure everybody was taken care of. Barb loved crafts, camping, snowmobiling up north, family trips, tending her flower garden, and going to Cranberry Fest. Barb had a special way with animals. She loved taking in pets, including dogs, cats, but also donkeys and chickens. She even kept them safe and warm in the garage during the winter months. Barb treasured the time she spent with her family, especially being a new Grammy to her baby grandson, Carlin, whom she referred to as Little Peanut. Todd Allen Kendhammer was born on March 16, 1970, and described himself as not very outgoing prior to meeting Barb. But from the minute he laid eyes on her, she was someone he wanted to get to know. He was employed at Crown Cork and Seal, making labels for soda cans. He would sometimes do freelance work replacing windshields. Together, the couple flipped houses on the side, and while they sometimes made a profit, they mostly valued it as a hobby that they could do together. As many couples do, Todd and Barb developed a morning routine. Todd would make Barb's breakfast for her, and on days that he was off, he would drive her to work for her 8 a.m. shift at the middle school. The morning of September 16, 2016, appeared to begin much the same way, and the couple found themselves in the car together on Highway M. But by 7.57 a.m., three minutes before Barb was to be at work, they were heading in the opposite direction. Staff at West Salem Middle School were so accustomed to Barb's consistent punctuality 
that they became alarmed when she was two minutes late and called her cell phone at 8.02 a.m. But that call would go unanswered because at 8.06, another call concerning Barb was being made. Todd said that while they were driving north on Highway M, a pipe had rolled off of a flatbed truck that was traveling in the opposite direction, bounced off the pavement, and flew through their windshield, striking Barb in the head. During the eight-minute call, he frantically described how Barb was unconscious and had blood coming out of her ears and mouth. Barb was rushed to the hospital, and Todd appeared to be very concerned about her condition as he spoke with officers. He explained that during the chaos, he must have accidentally put his car into reverse as he attempted to pull over, because it was backed up halfway into a ditch. Todd had injuries to his knuckles, and he said they were caused by trying to block the pipe from hitting Barb. Although he was only able to give a vague description of the truck, police issued a release to the media to help find it. Barb had sustained multiple grave injuries during the accident and passed away the next day with her family at her side. Meanwhile, investigators were working to piece together exactly what happened, and suffice it to say, they were leery of Todd's account. The pipe that allegedly rolled off the truck bounced off pavement and flew. Let's start there. The pipe weighed 10 and a half pounds and was 53 inches long. Todd was interviewed at length at the police station, and Detective Fritz Leinfelder uncovered numerous inconsistencies and things that just didn't make any sense. First off, what were they doing driving 15 minutes away from Barb's job on a day she has to be at work? Todd said that she was riding along with him to go look at a truck in the town of Holman that needed a new windshield. Regarding who actually requested the windshield, Todd first said it was a man named Justin Heim. Then he said it was Ben Path. Then he said it was a guy named Jerry Loggins. All three of these men denied needing a windshield. There were other things detectives found odd. A surveillance camera at a nearby horse ranch captured video of their car on Highway M, but no truck. Barb regularly called her mother at roughly 7.45 each morning on the way to work and spoke for approximately 7 to 10 minutes. But on the day of the accident, she didn't call, nor did she call her boss to say that she would be late. Detectives found some interesting evidence in and around the Kent Hammer vehicle. The spread of glass particles within the car indicated that the passenger seat was empty when the windshield was broken. The analyst also concluded that the passenger door was likely open because there were no glass pieces in the map pocket of the front passenger door. Furthermore, the location of glass particles in the gear shift mechanism indicated that the car was in park when the windshield shattered, not in drive. According to the Wisconsin State Crime Lab, no blood was found on the pipe. However, there was an orange-colored soil-like material on one end of the pipe that was also found in the trunk of the Toyota Camry, confirming that the pipe, in fact, did not magically fly off an imaginary truck. Todd retrieved it from his trunk. 
Also, the crime lab determined that the pipe hit the passenger side of the windshield more than once before it broke through. Now, physics is not my strong suit, but I'm pretty confident a 10-pound pipe can't morph into a boomerang and land multiple times on the same spot. And finally, the autopsy. Dr. Kathleen McCubbin documented the following injuries to Barb Kendhammer. A fracture to the back of her skull and three severe lacerations to the back of her head that were bone deep. Hemorrhaging in her neck, consistent with strangulation. Two torn fingernails, scratches on her neck, a broken nose, and bruising all over her body, consistent with a beating. Todd was arrested on December 6, 2016, for the murder of his wife. A passerby reported that he saw the Camry half in the ditch at around 8 a.m., with its windshield intact, the passenger door open, and no one around the car. Is this possibly when the assault occurred? Was Todd on the other side of the car holding her down in the grass? But the crime lab also confirmed that blood drip and flow patterns revealed Barb was bleeding for a period of time in the passenger seat and that her body was at one time over the center console and passenger side floor. So did the attack happen earlier in the drive and Todd kept driving north while trying to concoct a plan? But what was the motive? Lacrosse District Attorney Tim Grunke theorized that an argument regarding unpaid bills escalated to violence on the way to work, and Todd just snapped. That he beat Barb to death and spent the next 30 minutes staging the freak accident, retrieving the pipe from his own trunk to break the windshield. Todd and Barb's adult children, as well as Barb's entire family, are adamant that Todd would never have hurt Barb. However... Other witnesses reported that Todd had a temper and was more controlling than doting when it came to Barb. On December 15th, 2017, Todd was found guilty of first-degree intentional homicide and sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. In May of 2022, his request for a new trial was denied. Although I was pretty familiar with this case prior to preparing for this episode... I did discover one bit of new info that, in hindsight, is kind of chilling. The funeral home that handled Barb's services actually contacted investigators to report something that didn't sit right with them. Todd initially wanted Barb cremated against her wishes, and after the family convinced him not to, Todd then wanted assurance that the vault would be permanently sealed and that no one would ever be able to get into it. And now for today's listener question. Okay, Kendra would like to know what unsolved case would I really like to see finally solved? Mm, I actually have two. Uh, the first one would be John Benet Ramsey. And I'm assuming most of our, if not all of our Crime Cave listeners are very familiar with that case. But I actually have another case that same year, 1996, that I. Even though it's technically solved, I have questions about, and it's the Darley Routier case, the mother in Rolette, Texas, who was convicted of murdering two of her three sons, five-year-old Damon and six-year-old Devin, and they both were repeatedly stabbed in the middle of the night. 
Now, their mother, Darley, was also severely injured, but she was convicted. And I've actually wavered in what I think happened there. So, I mean, she's on death row, and I feel like there just needs to be more investigation. I'm not completely convinced. All right. Thanks, Kendra. Hey, everybody. It's Ray the Roadie. And this is Hollywood Mike with the Rock and Roll Chicago podcast coming to you from the Illinois Rock and Roll Museum on Route 66 in Joliet, Illinois, where once a week we are interviewing local musicians and singer songwriters. And the podcast itself covers a wide range of topics, including but not limited to the history of rock and roll in Chicago, the current state of the scene and the challenges and opportunities facing musicians today. So join us every Tuesday for a new exciting episode of the Rock and Roll Chicago podcast. Thanks for joining me. This episode of Crime Cave has been brought to you by Fortress Defense Consultants, providing security consulting for educational institutions, corporate facilities, and houses of worship, as well as pepper spray, Situational awareness and defensive firearms training for police and private citizens. Find Fortress on the web at FortressDefense.com. Contact Fortress directly at 708-522-8060 or email them at info at FortressDefense.com. Avoid being the subject of a future episode of Crime Cave. Train with Fortress today. Until next time.